0: Hi, guys. Derek. <laughs> so, I think we should just talk normal. Like, we don't need to pretend like we have microphones in front of our faces, even though we totally do. That's, That's true.
1: Do you want to read your intro? Yeah, I'll Let's just start with little, that.
0: I'll do a little intro.
2: There's this story in the Old Testament where God gives a promise. It isn't the first promise, and it isn't even the most world changing promise. It's a simple promise to a couple, Sarah and Abraham who have given up on having a family of their own.
1: Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Look toward heaven and count the stars. So shall your descendants be.
2: But it isn't the solemn promise that is the best part of the story. In fact, it's the details, the flubs, the brokenness, and the failures. Abraham and Sarah are visited by mysterious visitors who remind them, at the ripe age of 99, of the promise that they would have a child. Sarah's response is laughter, but the promise persists. The mysterious visitors say,
1: Why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord?
2: And through all of the laughter and mistakes, promises persist. Promises are fragile, and yet the Bible speaks again and again about God's insistence on operating in them. I'm Matthew Ian Fleming, and this season on Altar Guild, we're looking at the promises that bind us together, the promises that we make to each other, and the promises that ground us. Each week, we'll have new episodes featuring stories of promise from some of our favorite people, And today, as the weather gets warmer and wedding season has officially begun, the Altar Guild crew shares some of their worst wedding and baptism disasters, proving that, like Abraham and Sarah, promises persist through the laughter and mistakes.
1: This episode of Altar Guild is sponsored by Wedding Coordinators. If you need a family drama de-escalated, call a wedding coordinator. If you need a bad cop to enforce that rule about no keg stands before the ceremony, call a wedding coordinator. If everyone left for the reception and grandma is still sitting in the front pew, call a wedding coordinator. They even know what to do when the mother of the groom starts shuffling bridesmaids around, telling them where to stand and what to do with their hands. Wedding coordinators. They'll give you the business, but be nice to them, because they're responsible for mailing in the wedding license.
2: So I'm here in the studio, yes, we have a studio, with Derek and Meta and Miriam. Are y'all here?
1: We're here. Who I, are you? Uh,
0: I'm, I'm Matthew. <laughs> Matthew, what's your middle name? It's Ian. What's your middle name? We'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to EQ that out, folks. All right. EQ.
1: I like, that's my favorite.
0: So um, the very first wedding I ever did, this was like... At the very end of seminary so I was probably like two months out of graduation but like my divinity degree was not street legal yet because I hadn't actually graduated and I had a really good buddy of mine who lives in LA wanted me to do the wedding it was like this beautiful beachside wedding um, in Santa Barbara like right there on the pier It was just perfect but I didn't have my degree so they wanted me to go through like the Universal Church of Goodness and All Hope or whatever it's called Um, but I didn't so I had to go into the courthouse get whatever worked out great I got the court approval, I could do the wedding. Um, And this was my very first wedding that I had ever done. Like I wasn't quite a pastor yet. I pretty much was, but not really. It's kind of like in Harry Potter when they go off and do wizarding stuff before getting their degrees. That was me, but I failed miserably instead of killing Voldemort. So um, (laughs) it was like terrible because I had never done a wedding before. This is like my best friend since seventh grade. So I knew that like this wasn't a one-off. Like it wasn't like I'll never see these people again. I kind of have to keep living with them the rest of my life. So if I mess this up, like it's bad. And And they also know
1: you're going to be a pastor. Yeah, right,
0: right. And I I maybe have worn the collar a little bit. I maybe lied there uh, in my liturgical vestments, but that's okay. But anyway, so we do the wedding and I'm really nervous. It's like super hot outside. I'm in like this black suit on the beach. There's like all of these like people on the beach like that are kind of congregating that like aren't a part of the wedding and they're just sort of watching and so it's just really distracting because you have like these like old guys in Speedos like just standing there like staring at you while you're trying to do this. Keep in mind. nobody
2: else had an old guy in a Speedo? No,
0: No, it was was terrible and this was the first wedding I ever did. So anyway, you get to the part where, you know, you, you give them the rings, okay? Goes fine. Well, the rings were like super special to them because they had like custom-made them with this like jeweler friend of theirs and like i don't remember the exact story but like i think the medals had been worn down from like their grandma's wedding ring or something like that right so i have my little folder they put the ring on the book and then as i'm talking i i drop the <gasps> ring into the sand on the beach no. Oh, no. <laughs> And so I'm like, okay, at this time, you know, you take the ring and put it on their finger and they look at me they're like, where's the ring? I go, what are you talking about? And this is, no, this is in the ceremony, right? And my buddy realizes that it's been dropped in the sand. And so we kind of look around, like we have to stop the ceremony, all the bridal parties like on their hands and knees and <laughs> digging and nobody finds it. So then he just goes, and it's, like, into the microphone, so the whole beach heard it. And so I'm like, all right, we just, and you just got to keep the service going, right? So I take my ring off, and like, we'll find it, we'll find it, and we, we okay, so sure enough. Wait, so you gave him your ring? Yeah, you just, <laughs> we needed to, we, need a ring. we just needed to keep it going. Did you
1: marry your best friend from seventh grade?
0: Well, I did the service. I didn't marry him, but I did the service.
1: With your ring. With my
0: ring, yeah. Um... And so, anyway, they did communion at their wedding, and then the dad found it, and he's like, I got it! And then the whole beach started clapping, and it was great. But I was was pretty (laughs) flustered by that point. So then, of course, at the very end, you know, I said, now, for the first time, I may introduce to you Mr. and Mrs., and I got their names wrong. <laughs>
3: same wedding same way my no! best my best
0: friends in 7th grade i got the name wrong cuz i was oh so flustered God. so that was the first wedding i ever did um if you'd like me to do your weddings uh, you can contact me <laughs> yeah, no. so much room for
1: improvement after that first yeah, one yeah, right it's,
0: it's all been uphill since then
2: the first wedding that i ever performed was actually my dad's wedding right so that has all of these things uh in it <laughs> without saying any more to that story. But my biggest flub is that when we left uh, the house where the, we were having this small tiny wedding, my my dad and his new wife, um, I had tucked the marriage license into uh, a manila, manila envelope uh, and put it in the back of our car. And so we drove home and Hannah uh, was unloading the car while I was getting the kids lunch or something. And she must have been cleaning the car out because two hours later I said, Hannah, where's that, where's that license? Actually no, this was the next day. And she had thrown it away in the trash, which had been taken out oh, no. to, you know, like to the curb oh. and, and gone to the landfill someplace. So I, I lost the marriage license. <laughs> To my dad's wedding, the first one that I had performed.
1: (laughs) I've got one about a marriage license. It was not my first wedding, but my first wedding in a church and in a really big Gothic-style church with a long aisle. And so, you know, communication and cues are always tricky with the wedding coordinator at the back and and the organist or whoever's doing music. And a few things uh, got goofed up during the service before we even got to the marriage license part. Um, The bride went to the bathroom during the prelude, got a little disoriented, couldn't find her way back to the narthex, and the wedding coordinator had kind of misplaced her. So the doors open, and we start playing the processional, and there's no bride. I mean, there's just like sunlight beaming into this dark narthex. And the organist is to my left, and I'm trying really hard not to turn and look at her, because if I look at her, I need to have a plan and I have no plan. So she plays the whole processional hymn once, starts it over again, and finally this breathless bride comes hustling down the aisle with her dad. She looks like she's going to faint when she gets up there and she's at the top of some steps. So I'm saying, you know, if you're going to faint, fall into me. I'll catch you. They go to um, light their unity candle. And I realize that those two candles that you light the unity candle from are not lit none of the candles in the sanctuary are lit because acolytes do that on Sundays, right? But it's just me. And I've only done outdoor weddings so far and I totally forgot to light all, there's a bajillion candles in this sanctuary and none of them are lit. So I have to go down with like a Bic lighter to light their <laughs> unity candle thing so they can go together. Anyway, the rest of the service happens, goes just fine. Um, they are very gracious. And I get a call from them like a week later, and they say, we're almost married, but you sent in the marriage license without having signed it. Uh And so (laughs) (laughs) we have it. They gave it back to us and said, if we can get it signed in 24 hours, we can still turn it in. And so they had like kickball or like intramural softball or something up in Coon Rapids or something. And I live in South Minneapolis. So I am, like, booking it to this random bar to meet their whole softball team after some sort of um, game that they had. A lot of them were at the wedding, and I finally sign it and made sure that I did it in black or blue ink, whatever the rules are, and then bought the bride and groom a shot because I felt so bad that it was kind of this trifecta of awkward moments. But I don't know about you guys, but I still see what's going on with some of the brides Mm. and grooms and couples that um, I've officiated weddings for through social media and because we're either still really good friends or I just see pictures of their life on Facebook and Instagram and it's so fun to see what they're up to and when they have kids and um, that they're together and they seem to be doing well. That couple is still together. I'm so glad. Good job, guys. Uh, I think
2: it was the shot that did it, probably. It was the
1: <laughs> shot, yeah. It was just the the pastoral gift that kept giving there, yeah.
0: <laughs> so they the, were very gracious. This is horrible. I, I just realized this as we were talking. So the wedding of my best friend that I totally screwed up. Uh, about six months ago, our other best friend got married. So he came back from California. We went to the wedding of my other friend. Um, After the wedding, me and my friend from California were in the bar and we're drinking and hanging out. And he says to me, I gotta tell you something. I go, what? He goes, I haven't told you this yet, but for our wedding, when you filled out the wedding license, you put Hennepin County, which is in Minnesota where I live, even though we were in like Orange County or wherever Santa Barbara is, and they legally weren't married for like an entire year, so like a year later, <laughs> like a year later they just were like, "Yeah, we just felt so bad. We didn't want to bug you. We just went to the courthouse and did it." So, <laughs> oh, no. and I, I found that out like five years after the fact. So
3: that's so good. <laughs> So did you still officially marry them on their license? Are you listed I, no, as the No, I don't person? think I am.
0: In the eyes of the law, in the eyes of the Lord, I did. But not in the eyes of the law. I think uh, whoever the courthouse person was a year later did it. So, yeah, I'm great at weddings. You can book me anytime. My schedule's wide open. Um,
3: so I have a baptism story, which I was not present for, but it happened at the church where I'm a pastor before I came and it's in the lore. I mean, people tell me this story. I've heard the story from I think five different people. Three of whom were on staff, and two of whom were in the congregation. So people remember this baptism. I think it was during Advent. It was during some season where where something was happening in the sanctuary, um, sort of with decorations that was really intentional, and they had some sort of tree theme happening. So there were these birch branches all throughout the sanctuary. Um, And there's this aisle, you know, as there are in most churches, down the middle. And they had lined the aisle with birch tree branches. I say branches, but they were really big. You know, they were up and down. They were meant to look like individual birch trees. And, you know, when someone gets baptized, they bring their entire family. Some bring extended families. They fill up three rows. Some bring a few people. I think this was probably... Somewhere in the middle, they had a couple of rows full of family, but definitely people who did not attend church were present in in this, you know, group of people. And right before the baptism started, the tree that was right in front of their row fell on top of the entire baptism family. So they had a birch tree landed in their laps. Didn't hit the kid. That was good. But these people, as their first introduction to this congregation, is that they had a birch tree fall on their heads. Um, I think it was fine. We
2: welcome you into the body of Christ. (laughs) Right.
3: I think it ended up uh, fine. I think everyone survived and maybe eventually returned to church at some point in their lives. Uh, But yeah, it was an awkward welcome.
0: And it's, it's weird because like, I think sometimes like, you know, as people who deal with church stuff and we live in the church and, and you know, some of these promises seem just normal to us, but it's kind of funny sometimes I think about like people on the outside, like, you know, as, as pastors and as people of the church, we're kind of in the promise business. I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I, okay. If you ask me, there's another side of the church that's all fear-based and shame-based and all that. But I think when you're doing it right, you're doing the promise part. Um, And I think it's weird sometimes because that's not a normal thing, I don't think, in our society, to talk about promises all the time, you know? Um,
1: Do you guys, when you do weddings and funerals and baptisms, do you have people kind of without fail, even if it was a lackluster sermon, even if there were only, you know, 50 people at the funeral, have people come up to you and just say, thank you so much. That was such a great service. And it's not because of anything we did, right? I mean, we we are, most of what we're doing is prescribed and we're reading out of a bulletin or a book. Um, It's ancient, it's familiar, um, sometimes it even feels routine. And it's such a good reminder to me that what I'm handing over is not mine, right? One of the best things a preaching professor said to me is, you preach before communion, because if your sermon completely sucks and you do not hand over, the gospel to people, um, the, the table is still there. That's really hard to mess up, Meta, And uh, I feel like there are these moments, like a birch tree can follow that family, and yet that kid is still baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that day. The promise still happened, even though um, the church or the stiff br- stiff mysterious breeze in the sanctuary messed with that a little bit, the promise still happened. And that's such a relief.
3: I think this is why it's worth making public promises still and worth ritualizing promises because what happens is more than just what happens. There is a way, I think, that ritual invites us into a space of something larger. Um, and this is true for weddings. This is true for funerals and baptisms. But I think it's true in all of the sort of daily promise promises we make to each other too. Um, when we say... I'm meeting you in this place and I'm sort of making this promise or covenant with you to do something together, there's, there's something else that happens. There's something else mm-hmm. that exists. I heard um, a pastor tell me that he, when he's doing pre-marriage counseling for couples, he tells them to think of their marriage as a third entity, so sort of a, a pet that they both have to nurture and care for and uh, give life to together. I really like that image. It's this third thing that you're caring for. Um, and in, in promise, there is a third thing, the promise itself, uh, that, that everyone kind of has to nurture. It's like a Tamagotchi. Right. <laughs> you you have to give it everything It's a very uh, dated clean. reference. <laughs> I, I think our audience Cheap, will plug appreciate that. Clean up its poop or it gets sick. There's Aww. a metaphor there for yeah. sure. <laughs>
2: Sarah's laughter at those mysterious strangers burst forth when she had her son and named him Isaac, meaning laughter. In all of our mistakes and failures and promises botched, words are still spoken, vows are still made, and I think the laughter gives it even more sparkle, reminding us not to take ourselves too seriously. Alter Guild is hosted by Meta Herrick Carlson, Matthew Ian Fleming, Miriam Samuelson-Roberts, and Derek Tronsgaard, with edits by Matt and Derek. You can visit our website at alterguild.org, that's A-L-T-E-R, and find us on Twitter and Facebook at AlterGuild. To listen to more episodes or to subscribe, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else fine podcasts are sold. And if you like what we're doing, please leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. And in the meantime, go in peace, listen, love, serve, and alter.